Hey there, my friend. Thank you so much for choosing to press play. If you have been following me for any period of time, or if you know me personally, a podcast episode about Matthew Perry is not going to come as a surprise to you. The reason I title my podcast episodes the way that I do is because I was inspired by the way friends titled their episodes. And I think it's actually really genius when you are talking about a TV show and someone will say, oh, like which episode was it? You'll say, oh, well, it was the one where the one with, and I, and it's so basic and simple to me, it's genius. And when I was thinking about how to title my episodes, I was thinking about if someone is asking me about a podcast episode that I am listening to, what do I say? Oh yeah. Well, it's the one where she interviewed or it's the one where she talked about. And, um, that's how I decided to, uh, title my episodes the way that I did. A lot of my life has been infused by friends and I don't actually even remember watching the show when it first came out. I just know that I did. And I knew that there were a couple of seasons where I wasn't really into it. Although when I watch it back and trust me, like I watch it friends multiple times a week. Like it is just my, my go-to show. I don't even remember which seasons I wasn't into because I think all of them are good in different ways. I do think my favorite season is probably the first one because that's when we are meeting all of the characters. And I feel like the dynamic between all of them, the chemistry was just something that you hadn't really seen on TV. And as a teenager, I loved the idea of what my life could be like if I was a 20 something and I chose to move to New York and live in an amazing rent control department, you know, <laughs> although I had no idea what rent control was back then, but the show has just been a staple in my life. I have shared with you previously that when I had my LASIK surgery in 2004 and I scheduled it, it was on the day of the series finale. And when I scheduled the appointment, I asked them, am I going to be able to see by 8 p.m. tonight? And they looked at me <laughs> kind of strangely. I should be used to those kinds of looks. And they said, yeah, why? And I said, well, because it's the series finale of Friends. I want to be able to watch it because that was when you had appointment TV I don't know if any of you have listened to the podcast hosted by Christine Taylor and David Lasher. It's called Hey Dude, the 90s called. And I guess they were on some Nickelodeon show, like some dude ranch show. I think it was called Hey Dude. I never watched that show. My husband is familiar with it. But what they talk about on that show is appointment TV. You know, back before, I think TiVo was just coming out when friends ended. So you had your VCR and VCRs were very like moody, you know, sometimes they would not show the correct time and it would just flash 12 o'clock or sometimes your show wouldn't record or you wouldn't have enough film or tape. It was tape, right? You didn't have enough tape available to record the show. 
So there were just all sorts of opportunities for things to go awry when you used a VCR and we all knew it. So something like Friends, it's kind of like the finale of Seinfeld. Like I wasn't a Seinfeld fan really, but I do remember watching the finale at some restaurant in the Mission Valley Mall in San Diego and being totally underwhelmed by the ending. And everybody in there was watching Seinfeld. Like you went there to watch Seinfeld. And so with friends, I was like, it's appointment TV. Although that term was not coined back then. I can't miss watching friends. And so my whole LASIK afternoon after I had the procedure was a complete disaster. So I got to sleep later than I should have. I I should have gone right home and fallen asleep, but I was in the most excruciating pain that I had ever been in and wanted to tear my eyeballs out. And so we had to go back to the LASIK clinic for them to recheck my eyes. And then once I got home, I was relaxed enough because the Vicodin did nothing for me. Um, I was relaxed enough to fall asleep. And the guy I was dating at the time woke me up like five minutes late and I was a little perturbed, but I was still able to watch the majority of the show of the finale. Um, My husband and I, when we got married, our wedding party walked down to the theme song from Friends. Our pregnancy announcement was Friends oriented. I was even realizing recently how my husband and I kind of are like Ross and Rachel and that we did take a break. It wasn't like you saw Ross and Rachel take a break, but we were together and engaged for three and a half years. And then we broke up for five and we got back together and got married. So, you know, we, we do have these little hints of friends just like in our life. And it's been a big thing in my life since, since the show started. And then obviously like once it's in syndication or you have it on like Netflix or, you know, it transitioned over to HBO max, it's, you can just see it. And it's my happy show friends. And I love Lucy are my happy shows. If I am having a good day, I can watch friends. I can watch. I love Lucy. If I am having a shit-tastic day, I can watch friends. I can watch. I love Lucy. Friends is more easily accessible. Trust me, if Lucy's on, like that is a very close second. But Friends has just always been my show. I think the writing is really funny. I love the characters. The storylines were really basic and simple, but they were just written and performed in such a way. They were so good. And One of the characters that I related to the most was Chandler. His wit, his sarcasm, when you start to get a little bit more into his character, like when Phoebe is dating that psychiatrist and he's psychoanalyzing everyone and he tells Chandler like, oh yeah, like only child, right? Parents divorced when you were a kid, blah, blah, blah. Like it's textbook, it's textbook. And so you hear more about Chandler's like upbringing. You hear about just what was probably very traumatic for him. 
as a kid, you know, finding out his parents are divorcing, finding out that his dad is is trans. They're telling him this all over like Thanksgiving dinner because his dad is having an affair with the pool boy. Like there's just a lot there. And then you see just how awkward he is as a person, especially when he's around like people he's attracted to. And that is not my story. Okay. But I have my own childhood trauma. I am very awkward. I was incredibly awkward around guys that I would find attractive. It was kind of just awkward. I still am, I guess, to some degree around people in general, but guys that I was attracted to very awkward, very, very awkward. Like I didn't start dating until I was 17. And when I think of like my first boyfriend, I'm just like, wow, just bad judgment, like bad, bad judgment. But there was one thing uh, that Chandler said, I think it was early on in the episodes where he's like, hi, I'm Chandler. I make jokes when I'm uncomfortable. And, you know, I use humor as a defense mechanism. I think that may have been something that the the therapist like psychoanalyzed, but I could relate to that because like if you were to pop into any of my team meetings there is always like that awkward silence. Like when you're in your meetings at at work, I feel like there is just that awkward silence. Unless someone is like a little chatty Kathy, everybody just like sits there. And so, (laughs) so I will make comments like, well, wow, this silence isn't awkward at all. And, you know, or I will like just start chatting so that we're not sitting there in awkward silence because it doesn't feel comfortable to me. And so of course I just assume that if I feel uncomfortable, everybody else is feeling uncomfortable, but the way I approach things to me is very like Chandler esque. And as I was sharing with someone today, like I grew up in a not very comfortable home and my mom was upset a lot of the time And so I think, you know, my dry wit, I definitely got from my dad, but I think the desire to make people laugh and lighten the mood is something that I developed to help my mom feel better, either to make her feel better or to lighten the tension so that I felt better or the rest of the room felt better. It's like I developed this skill of being a court jester. And it's actually really sad when you think of the origination story, but I'm glad that I am the way that I am. But that's one of the ways that I really relate to Chandler is he's not comfortable being emotional and he's not comfortable with silence and he just has to be this performer. He has to be on. And I, I would say until relatively recently, I, I I really related to that until I, I think, became more comfortable with who I am, which is also like why I love that the show went on for 10 seasons, because you got to see the character's grow and evolve and and learn from their missteps. And you saw 
Chandler, although I do feel like he became a weenie, like when he was dating Monica and shortly after he married her, like, I feel like he had some weenie-esque moments. Like I was just like, I would not be attracted to you right now. Like, because you just seem like a scared little boy, but there were moments where like, I felt like he really stepped up. Um, like when they were in the process of adopting a kid and the files got switched. And so Anna Ferris's character thought that like they were a pastor and a doctor <laughs> and Monica just kind of went along with it. And Chandler's like, we need to be honest about who we are. You know, this, this woman is going to give away her baby. Like she has a right to know who it's going to. And I was just like, yeah, like way to be a man and stand up to her. Like, I just, I love that. And so I loved that we saw Chandler have those moments where he, he matured, he evolved. And, you know, if the show hadn't been on as long as it had, we would not have had the opportunity to see that. And so throughout the show, Again, like he was the character I related to the most. I feel like I'm kind of a combination of like Chandler, Phoebe, and Monica. And, you know, when you think about it, it's like all of them kind of had like these traumatic, <laughs> these, these traumatic like childhoods. So I'm like, okay. Um, but Chandler was just always the one I, I connected to the most. And I just... I just felt for him during some moments of the show, you know, and then I read his book when it came out last year, Matthew Perry's book. And I realized how much of himself he put into the character of Chandler. You know, he talked about in his book when I think they all signed when they were all cast they went out with like the writers and the writers were like well tell us a bit like about yourself and he was Chandler like he was just like I use humor when I'm nervous I like to make people laugh I'm terrible with women although when I look at his dating history like like Julia Roberts like Nev Campbell you know I know he made out with Gwyneth Paltrow I'm like were you like there's a lot of women that are very very fond of you <laughs> like were you really that terrible they wrote a lot of that into the character but i feel like who you saw and just like the the witticisms that that was matthew perry and so there there's one line that he said in the show i think it was when he was breaking up with janice and he said, I'm, I'm hopeless and awkward and desperate for love. And for some reason, that line just kept coming to mind when I was reading the book, because when you hear about his childhood and when you hear about what his challenges were and how he struggled, I feel like that line is him. When you hear about like how his addiction started, 
and the relief he felt like he was able to step away from those feelings of inadequacy and he felt like he was just okay the way that he was like it it hurt my heart but i also understood it and so that line it just always sticks in my head and i think partly it sticks in my head because i can relate very much to that line and i think so many of us can i think like at our core we want to be loved and accepted for who we are as we are and that starts with our parents and you know i was talking to somebody at work today about being with my mom when she passed and what I needed to make sure I said to her before she passed. And one of the things that I wanted her to know was that like, I saw her for the person she was before everybody dumped all of their own shit on her. And I wanted her to know that she was perfect just as she was. And I knew that she wanted to know that she was loved for who she was. And so I told her that because I feel like that was something she wanted to feel and she never felt. And I feel like a lot of us feel that way. We just want to know that we're good enough. Good enough to be loved, good enough to be accepted for who we are. And when we don't feel that from our parents, that can really fuck you up. And I think there was some of that with Matthew Perry. Also, one of the things that he talks about in the book is, you know, he was, I'm sure you've heard this, but he was taking up to like 55 Vicodin a day. Like, I can't, I can't even imagine. Like, I I can't even imagine that. And he wouldn't watch the show because he, he would watch and be like, oh, if I was skinny, I was on pills. If I was heavier, I was drinking. And I think there was one season where he was clean the entire season. I think it was season nine. And the season, you know, where you have the finale and you find out Rachel's pregnant and Chandler and Monica just got married. So right after they filmed that, he was like whisked away to rehab. And I can't remember like what season that was. I want to say maybe six or seven. But he said season, I believe it was season nine. So maybe it was eight. I don't know. You would think I would know. I don't know. Um, but there was one season where he was completely clean. He said there there are times like he can't remember like filming. And yeah, like I was saying, he wouldn't watch the show because he would be like, oh yeah, I that's pills. Like I watched a scene 
uh, he was doing an interview and it was the scene where they're going to the beach house where Phoebe meets her biological mother and Rachel has her giant hat that Ross got her. They're broken up. This is before she writes the letter and they get back together briefly. And Matthew Perry is watching himself as Chandler and you could just tell his heart is breaking. This is when he's super, super thin. Something else I also noticed is like his voice would change. Um, I think it was like when he was really thin, like his voice had a higher pitch, which I, I was, I remember like watching it as the show was airing and was just like, what is going on? You know? And I don't think I realized like he had an addiction problem. I I think I just thought, oh, he was sick and that's why he got really thin. And then he was heavier. Like when he proposes to Monica, he's heavier. And so I was like, oh, maybe he's just like having a good life. Yeah. Maybe he's drinking. Maybe he's eating. He's not working out like, you know, okay. But I don't think I ever knew about those issues until later. And so after reading the book, you know, I would watch the episodes and I would see him as that. I'd be like, oh, that's when he was on pills or, oh, that's when he was drinking. I think that's when he was clean. And then it really became hard for me to differentiate between like Matthew Perry and Chandler because so much of how the book is written, what his like take is on life and situations it was incorporated into the character of Chandler. So to me, like when I see Chandler, I see Matthew Perry and, you know, obviously I didn't know him, but um, yeah, that's, that's how I've been watching the show. Like ever since I read his book and, you know, what is it? A few weeks ago, uh, we had our neighbors over for dinner and I had my phone on me, I think because I was texting my dad and someone texted me and said, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe it. And it was a news article to Matthew Perry dying. And I was like, what? And so I opened it up and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, Eli, Matthew Perry's like dead. And he was like, what? Then I started getting, I was getting text messages from my coworkers. Like we utilize teams. And if I am ever like posting any sort of GIF or GIF, whatever it is, 95% of the time it's from friends. Like I am just known for that. And so I had coworkers texting me. I had friends texting me and I was just like, holy shit this is, this is real. And, you know, my neighbors were over and my neighbor's dad was like talking to me about like having met Keanu Reeves, who I, I adore. Like I love Keanu Reeves have ever since speed. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like, I really just want to be left alone so I can go cry. And it was just such a weird response for me about someone that I didn't even know personally. And so I was trying to just like 
process that and like find out like what happened. And we're sitting there having dinner and I'm just like, I seriously just want to be left alone. Like every other, literally every other night, we don't have company. My in-laws were out of town and I wanted to like be a hostess. I'm always the hostess, like Monica. I always hosted stuff when I had my own house and I miss doing that. And so my in-laws were out of town. So we had our neighbors over and I'm like, literally like every other night, like nobody's here. Like this is big, like this is big, you know? And later that night, like I went in the bathroom and I think I just, I was like, you know what? I just, I want to cry. So I'm going to cry. Like I'm going to cry. And, you know, I was telling Eli, I said, I feel, I feel silly. Like I didn't know him, you know? Um, I cried when Prince died that Prince, like that was the first cassette. Purple rain was the first cassette I ever got. And he was Prince, right? So like, he was just this enigma and so insanely talented, like so sexy, like so like king of like, I don't give a fuck. Like I just loved him. And when he died, I was really sad. And I remember I was driving home from work. I think I was listening to, uh, the song from, I think it's from the movie, um, under the cherry moon. It's called sometimes it snows in April. If you haven't listened to that song, you need to listen to the song. It was recorded in one take. You can hear a chair creak and it's just a beautiful song. And I was driving home and I remember like lived in national city and I had just gotten off the five freeway and was in front of the, the in and out that always had an insanely long line. And I just started crying and I got home and my husband's like, what's, what's wrong. And I'm just like, I'm just so sad that Prince died. And I started crying. I'm like, and I feel so stupid that I'm crying. And he was great. He was just like, I think you were just a bigger fan than you realized. And I think like what made me sad was like, it felt like such a loss. And then I was just sad that he died alone. Like he died in the elevator at Paisley Park. I was just sad. And with Matthew Perry, I realized like, as the days went on, I wasn't the only person that was impacted, you know? And, and I was really touched by the people that reached out to me to see if I was okay, as though I lost like a real friend. I was like, you, you guys are awesome. You, you people that are reaching out to me because you know how much I love the show. Like those are, those are really good friends I have. And, uh, seeing how so many people were impacted by this, like made me feel less strange And then I started thinking about it and I was like, why, why do I feel silly for grieving a loss? Like, why do I feel silly for grieving the loss of someone who has had a huge part in brightening my days when I felt like crap? Why do I feel silly for grieving someone who was a part of something 
that brought me so much joy that has helped me connect with other people that has kind of given me my own personality in a way because I am such a fan of the show. Like I forgot, you know, my husband and I didn't really have a honeymoon, but we went to LA and one of the things we did was the Warner Brothers studio tour. And when we got to Central Perk, I was like so excited because it's the couch, like it's the couch they use in the show. And there was only like a certain area that you were allowed to walk in the cafe. (laughs) I was so in awe of like where I was that like I wandered off of the little rugs and I guess the um, tour guide, whatever we want to call them. She was like, excuse me, miss, excuse me, miss. And I'm just like walking around like all wide eyed. And only when my husband was like, Chris, it's like, what? He's like, you are way over here. Like you need to be over here, like on these rugs. I was like, oh, because I was just, I mean, it's a recreation of the set. Like you're not actually on the soundstage, but I was just fascinated, you know, like I, I was starstruck and I was like, why am I, why am I feeling silly about one of like my six friends, these, this group of people that just made my day so much better that always like, as soon as I hear the song or I I hear a line from the show, like a lot of the times I don't watch the show because I've seen it so many times. Like I can tell you the scene. I can hear one line from a show and be like, oh yeah, this is the episode. Like why, why do I feel silly about grieving something that's brought so much light into my life, into others. Someone that kind of made me feel less alone because I was like, oh yeah, like you have family stuff too. And it kind of fucked you up. And that's why you're, you're funny and, and you want to make people laugh and you're awkward around people, you know, like someone that made me feel less alone. Why am I going to feel silly? grieving the loss of this person and also wishing that this person had more time on this earth to be able to enjoy it, to live life to its fullest capacity. You know, what I heard is like, he was, he was clean. He was sober. Everybody knows he played pickleball the morning he passed away he seemed to be doing really well and he was trying to help people. And there was a reel I saw that showed like all of his accomplishments for helping people get clean and sober. You know, Hank Azaria, who is David on friends, like they were friends since they were pretty much like kids. And, you know, he is very prominently featured in Matthew Perry's book. You know, but he shared a story about how Matthew took him to his first AA meeting and was there and and was supporting him. And he did a lot of good. And I wish he had more time as a clean and sober person to do more of what he wanted to do. In his book 
it's it's very odd now because it opens up with like hey like you know I'm I'm Matthew Perry my friends call me Maddie and something you should know is like I should be dead like that's how the book opens up and then he talks about basically his like colon exploding and it's I mean like pretty gnarly stuff and then you know he also says like when I die like I don't want friends to be like the first thing people remember about me I want it to be like for all the good that I've done for the the help that I've given people and getting clean and getting sober, getting free from addiction. And the nice thing about this is like a spotlight has been shown on everything that he has done to help people so that they don't go down that road. But for for so many of us, for millions and millions of people, of course, friends is going to be the first thing that we say, because that's how so many of us know him. And I was just thinking like, what an amazing legacy to be a part of. You were part of one of the most successful shows in TV history. Like it's been off the air people almost 20 years in May of 2024. It will have been off the air. Like it stopped filming 20 years. Look at how many people still love the show. Look at how many people have newly discovered the show and love it. And yes, I know people say like, oh, like some of it hasn't aged well. Yeah, that, that's going to be true for anything that you watch 10, 20, 30 years later. You know, I also think maybe we've gotten a little sensitive about certain things you know but i think humor can be humor just for the sake of being humorous but there are certain things like even i watch the show and i'm like mm. like you know that that michael scott gif gif where he just kind of like pulls up his lips and is like Ey. i use that a lot too because i feel like that just covers a lot of territory <laughs> but how many new viewers, new fans, does that show have? It's such a good show. It's funny. And I feel like, you know, even if we are watching it and their cell phones do not quite rival Zach Morris's, but the cell phones, like, that's how I feel like you can always tell like how old a show or a movie is, is like looking at the technology, like you've got mail. But minus all of that, so much of what they deal with in the show is still like relevant. It's still what a lot of like people are feeling and thinking and experiencing. And the stories are just told in such a witty way. And you have such great actors bringing those stories to life. And what makes it even more special is the real chemistry that was there. I feel like you know, there have been two really good ensemble shows. Like I don't watch a lot of like cable stuff. So I'm referring to like just network television. I feel like there have been two really good ensemble shows since friends. One was actually shot at the same time. Um, you have modern family and then you have big bang theory. And those shows to me were 
the best shows that most closely resembled like the feel and the dynamic of the cast, like with the cast. But even though I loved Big Bang Theory and I was like, okay, it's friends and then Big Bang Theory for me, you didn't have that like same connection. You just, you just didn't. And the way like friends took off, how famous they got, like how they were all kind of unknown, how famous they got, like what they were getting, like per episode in the latter part of the show, like how they presented themselves as a united front, which was, which was David Schwimmer's idea, I believe to say, Hey, like we're all equally important in this show. Like we all need to just kind of link arms and say, look, this is what we're asking for. And we all want to be paid the same amount of money. Like they didn't do that in big bang theory. Like you had Jim Parsons, Kaylee Cuoco and Johnny Galecki take pay cuts. Um, so that Maya Bialik and Melissa Rauch could earn more, but they weren't all earning the same amount of money. Granted, like the, like just the day, the whole dynamics of the show were different, but these people, like they all knew their value and worth, but they also knew the value and worth of each other. And so I feel like that chemistry that they had off screen, like it just melted into what you saw when the show was filming. And so I don't feel like I've seen that chemistry again. And when Matthew Perry died, I saw a lot of people online that were just like, well, what is the cast going to say something? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, the only reason you want them to say something is because you want them to say something. You think that they should say something. They don't owe anybody shit. Even if they never come out and say a single word, that's their prerogative. Everybody mourns and grieves in different ways. And they seriously just lost someone that they have known for like 30 years and probably saw practically every day, at least when the show was filming for 10 years, they experienced like stardom together. They experienced a lot of shit. They experienced life together. Like give them a break. And I mean, I feel like that with, with anything, it's like when you're issuing a statement, when you're doing anything like that, it's like, you're, you're doing that for other people. You're not doing that for you. You're doing that for other people because there's an expectation that you are going to say something. And I was like, yeah, I, I was just curious as to how they were doing. And I'm like, they must be devastated because how could they not be? And when they released, I knew that they were going to do something together because when James Michael Tyler, the actor who played Gunther, when he passed away, all of them released the same statement about him with the same photo. And I loved that because to me, it showed unity. It showed connectedness. And it was like, they, they are still working behind the scenes. Like they're friends, like they're friends. And 
I knew that when Matthew Perry died, like if they said something, it was going to be together. And so when they released the statement a few days later, I loved it. And I, I loved what they said. Like, we are going to take this time to mourn and grieve him in the way that makes sense for us. And we'll say something more when we're ready. And then, you know, a couple of days ago when Matt LeBlanc posted something on Instagram, I was just like, okay, now they're all going to start with their own tribute to him. And I'm sure that this was something that they talked about too. And I, I believe like the flow was Matt LeBlanc, Courtney Cox, Jen Aniston, David Schwimmer, and then Lisa Kudrow. And I actually kind of liked the cadence because you had the two characters that he was the most connected to, right? Like you have Joey and you have Monica. So you have Courtney and Matt release theirs. And then you had Ross and Rachel, you know, like he, he was Ross's best friend. Like they went to college together and you can't have Ross without Rachel. And then you had Lisa, which was actually like kind of nice because she, that she kind of had her own moment because she wrote the foreword to his book. And like, I love, like he was the one that walked her down the aisle when she like married Mike, like Paul Rudd. And so I just thought it was really, it was a good way to break it up because you did have to break it up, you know? And I loved what each of them said. And when I read David Schwimmer's, you know, he was talking about Matthew Perry being in heaven and he was like, could there be any more clouds? <laughs> like It just, it just made me laugh. And I love that they, you know, each got to say what they wanted to say. And like I told my husband, I said, they didn't need to say anything else. Like maybe they are saying this for him or they're saying it for, for themselves, but really it's like, they're saying it because they want to pay tribute to him in a public way. And I love the way that they did it. It amazes me that in this world of social media, in this world we live in, where people's attention spans are like the size of a gnat, here we are a few weeks later, and he's still very much a part of the conversation. Um, it's a lot of what I hear people talking about, what people are saying to me, and I think that really demonstrates the massive impact that he had on people. He made people happy. He was part of a show that made people happy and still makes people happy. You know, I was thinking about like other ways, like friend shows up in my life, you know, and I'm like, oh, my my license plate, my license plate frame is, is friends. When we went back to Disneyland after it had been closed for COVID, I had shirts made that said, you know, the one where they go back to Disneyland. And then I had a shirt made for my son that said, could I be more excited? And 
you know, we had other ones made that said, you know, the one where they might ride the monorail. And so it's just like, it has just infused like my life. And although I may be more of a fangirl than you or other people, he made an impact. And for many of us, like, yeah, we're going to know him as Chandler Bing, you know, but he did a lot of good and he wouldn't have been able to do the good that he did without going through the challenges that he had. And that's something that I've been thinking too is, you know, we often feel like we, we can't help people or we kind of get lost in those dark moments in our lives and feel like it happened for no reason. And we can choose to accept that or we can take those crappy things that we've been through and make things better. Maybe we help someone else that's going through something really similar. Maybe because of what we've been through, it changes our perspective or our level of awareness on something. And it then empowers us to make changes so that maybe we don't do the same thing that our parents did. Our struggles can become our strengths. And I feel like that's something that Matthew Perry embodied. You know, I mean, even if you look at the character of, of Chandler, he, he was this like awkward guy who was really insecure, who used humor as a defense mechanism. And he basically used that as his superpower. Like that was how he connected with so many of us. And then you look at his struggle with addiction and how he was able to turn that around and help other people. And, you know, at the time I'm recording this, the toxicology report isn't in, I know, I mean, with so many things, there have been so many things swirling about like whether he, he had this feeling that he was going to die. Like I just saw this ridiculous reel and I was just like, oh my gosh, like it was about like a picture of cranberries and, you know, the fact that he mentioned Batman and just this like really out there stuff. I was like, dude, what kind of stuff are you smoking? Like, okay. Like let him just rest in peace. Okay. But there, there have been a lot of rumors going around that, you know, he had relapsed and we don't know, like, as of right now, we don't know. And even if that is the case, that, that doesn't take anything away to me from like who he was and the joy and the light that he brought to people's lives and how much he helped people. He was very open in his book. You know, I, I read Brittany's book. I believe she had a ghostwriter. All of her stuff is very like high level. I think until you get to like 
I mean, she goes into some detail about like her family and, you know, the conservatorship, but he gets really deep and it might sound insensitive, but I would expect Matthew Perry to be a bit deeper than Britney Spears. But the, the openness, I think that he displayed when choosing to share what he chose to share in the book is pretty awesome. And I encourage you to read it. If you are a Friends fan, if you are a Matthew Perry fan, I encourage you to read it. I think um, it will hit differently now that he's gone. But I think what you'll take away from it will be pretty powerful. So I couldn't let much more time go by before I recorded an episode about this. It didn't feel right for me to not address it. I'm sad. I'm sad that he's gone. I'm sad that he didn't have longer on this earth to do more of the things that he wanted to do as a clean and sober person. I'm sad that he struggled for so much of his life, but I believe that he is truly at peace now. And I hope he's able to see like the impact he had on millions upon millions of people. Not a lot of people can say that. So thank you, my friend, for listening. And I'll talk with you soon.